0: Hello and welcome to the Experience Lounge podcast. I'm Sasha. I'm Laura. And we're here to talk all things employee experience, experience design, future of work, and digital HR. Let's get into it. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Experience Lounge podcast. This is episode 38. Delighted to have you all back and I am super excited for today's episode because we have another amazing guest speaker who I'm super excited to introduce you to. This episode is a really nice blend between kind of employee experience elements but also your personal journey with work. So I really hope you're able to take a lot more than just kind of EX tips away from this episode and hopefully it inspires you to kind of maybe unearth some of those topics around your personal passions and purpose when it comes to both work and personal life. So really enjoyed the discussion with the amazing Beck Smiths. So before we jump into the interview, don't want to take up too much time because it's quite a long episode. Let me do a quick bio. So I'm going to combine two bios here just for context. So first, Beck Smith. So she is a hr consultant with over 20 years of experience across a broad range of functions including employee experience employer branding internal and external recruitment organizational design and capability as well as instructional design facilitation and career coaching so a really extensive hr background Um, but also i want to introduce her i guess her more personal bio which i think is certainly a really great reflection of her so Known as your cheerleader for change, Beck Smith is a speaker, trainer, body psychotherapist, counsellor, wellbeing mentor, corporate facilitator, and people and change consultant. She is on a mission to help you feel successful by making life more purposeful. Inspired by nature, her groundbreaking new model, the art of yin, combines change intelligence with emotional intelligence to help you concentrate on feeling successful when the measure for success is constantly changing. Um, I'll stop there. She is... Just an incredible person to listen to, very inspiring, incredibly calm, um, and obviously has an incredible background in the HR field as well. So it's really nice to see that coming through in the interview. I will leave all of her social links and her website down below if you want to go and connect with her. I know she does one-to-one coaching, so that might be super relevant for you. Um, And also go and connect with her on LinkedIn as well if you want to learn more about her professional background too. So a huge thanks to Beck Smith for joining us. I loved this interview and I really hope you do too. Let us know what you think on Instagram or LinkedIn or wherever it is that you're connecting with us as well and enjoy the episode. Well hello Bex, welcome to the podcast, we're delighted to have you on and to everybody watching or listening, um, I am so thrilled to introduce Bex Smith, our cheerleader for change and our group people experience partner at Oricon. I hope I'm saying Oricon correctly. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Fantastic. So Bex, why don't you get us started with a little bit about you and your journey into the employee experience space?
1: Great. Well, thank you very much for having me. And I'm very excited to share this conversation because employee experience um, and really pe- people experience as a whole has been something that I've been very passionate about and pretty much started in my teens with a trip to London, actually. Mm. So I was um, lucky enough to get a trip in my teens to London back in the day. And um, where, this is where I first saw the Virgin brand. And I was, um, first of all, in love with it because it was so, you know, hip, hip at the yeah, time and, and, you know, fresh and things. Um, but also because the employees, like the people that actually were working, you know, in, in, in and representing that brand were really looking like they had fun. So for me, that was actually um, a real incentive to when I came back then um, from the UK, I wrote to them and said, when are you coming to Australia? Because that was before they came to Australia. And wow. I was so keen that I kept up correspondence with them saying, very keen, we've got this newspaper article in my local paper. And, you know, started collecting yeah. different newspaper articles from across my family at different states in Australia and sending it back to them and just being very excited. And that actually got me um, an interview when they came over straight away to actually um, go in and be part of their team to actually start the airline. So I was one of the first 30 people to be employed to actually start that airline and start creating experiences. So, yeah, that's pretty much where I started.
0: I love that. That is so good. Have you considered politics? I feel like that's a good skill set. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe lobbying (laughs) would also be a great route. Um, But that's an awesome story. And also, I think, quite reflective of the power of brand and, like, customer advocacy, conversion into employee advocacy. Like, that's incredible. Absolutely. And then I was able to, yeah, create
1: my own experience and help create experiences for those that are traveling and then, you know, really look at that whole then going to learning and onboarding people and what that meant for new people coming on board and really living and breathing that. So, um, and I think it's really attached to that entrepreneurship piece. I've, Mm. I've always wanted to you know, be a part of something bigger, but also feel the feeling that goes with that, not just being a part of it as an yeah. individual. So, yeah, experience is a big part of my life.
0: Wow, I love that. And that translates very nicely into your passions, which hopefully we'll tap into a little bit more in this podcast. So, but before we get into that and the topic of today's conversation around kind of purpose, mainly, tell us a bit about your current role at Oricon and kind of what have you seen over the last couple of years? maybe trends or things emerging I know it's been a tough couple of years for everyone um but yeah any observations from you
1: yeah I think um you know everybody has has a story around what's happened for them individually Mm. but also as a collective we have you know that time that stood still of the two years that we really don't remember what happened but a lot happened um and I think that's a part of that um you know that pause in time that where we've actually been able to grow a lot and and in growth there was reflection time so I think um, that's been one of the biggest benefits um, but it's also been a challenge at the same time is you know that standing still time Mm. so some people got to not got to but had to had to you know stand still and and not do anything Um, but then others were working at a pace and a rate and in situations that they've never had to before which was imposed so when I work with people with change it's really about that imposed change and how we accept that imposed change and then how we can actually deal with that internally for ourselves because the imposed change is usually the external change that's happening Mm -hmm. so if I break that down into some of the challenges specifically is um, you know we were working with people to um, support flexible work before before COVID Um, and you know for those who chose to we would you know fully support that and and really encourage that and try to encourage more people to work flexibly and um, we were we called it flex best for you and um, we even made a wrap like a little jingle song to go with it (laughs) and um, created a competition around the jingle song too. So it was really great to be able to sort of get people involved in that and that was sort of the lengths that we went to do was to making it fun and also accessible Mm. to everybody. And then I guess the challenge came when we had to actually turn that on and enable it for all. So it was no longer something that was sort of like if you chose to do it, it was actually that it created a real tension um, for the organisation to have to then provide it to everyone all at the same time. Yeah. And I think that all at the same time in, in EX especially is you like to do some prototyping <laughs> with experience before you need to scale. And I think that was as what, as an employee experience professional is one of the biggest challenges over the last few years is how, how we scaling experience yeah. and scaling it um, in a virtual way when we're so used to hi- face-to-face and then, then scaling it back again to a hybrid way yeah. of working. So I really do think that, that um, that's been a, a really big challenge over the last few years. And then I listened to one of your podcasts as well too before, which was I think Love episode it. 35, um, <laughs> the role of the HRBP, and you mentioned about the tension of the organisation expectations i'm going to put on the end of that Mm. versus the individual's expectations yeah and i think that's also one of the biggest challenges is really helping um, the organization and the employee work out what their expectations are of what that looks like for them because it can be very different for everybody
0: Mm. yeah totally agree with you and it's really interesting because you mentioned kind of pre-pandemic this shift towards making flexible working a thing within your organization. And I think we often forget that. Like pre-pandemic, like we were really trying to get people to embrace this. And so it's just, it's so interesting. And, And you know, when you bring up the kind of individual versus collective motivation of going back to the office versus hybrid working versus completely remote like it's been a real whirlwind and particularly just you know for hr practitioners but also for employees you know from a change perspective it's you know we're one day we're hot and cold you know there's it's a constant cycle i suppose absolutely and psychological
1: safety used to just be how do we prepare people to be in the office and mm. working together you know in a in a destination that doesn't include home necessarily yeah all the time but now there's like boundaries are blurred so much with with where people are and how they're feeling about where they are and what they're doing and and lots of different things that um yeah it's it's been a real interesting um I guess shift too to think about change with emotion Mm. and Mm. you know having to sort of think about the emotion or the, and the well-being and I, I, I put that you know well-being is not just the physical well-being it's obviously the mental spiritual um, yeah. psychological all the rest of it so all of those layers of self yeah. that an individual then has to has to be involved with just to do their job and just to be uh, present mm-hmm. can be a lot can yeah. be a real lot yeah definitely. And how does the organization support that and whose responsibility is that like yeah. so much involved in that
0: Absolutely agree. And I I, I wonder, and we, we touched on this in, in previous episodes as well, you know, the emotional weight for employees, especially those who are working hybrid or, are, are you know, stepping into fully remote roles. I don't know if we fully unpacked that as well. So, you know, if you're part of a hybrid team, but for whatever reason, you have to work three or four days from home because you're in a different location or you have childcare responsibilities or something like that. I don't think we've actually really considered the like mental weight of that and the concern, the anxiety that that can often induce, you know, we talk a bit about proximity bias and am I going to be missing out on opportunities? Do I get FOMO from not being in the office? I wonder if that's an area that we just haven't really, well, at least for me, I haven't really properly unpacked it. And I don't see many people talking about that kind of emotional and mental burden of hybrid working. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's...
1: um... I think that people are thinking about it, maybe mm. not talking about it as much as they could because there's not really an anchor point yet yeah. for for how to do that. Although, and, you know, in saying that there's mental health first aiders and, you mm. know, the mental health um, programs and support and, you know, a lot of, I know, uh Employers would have EAP, so yeah, the course, yeah. programs and and um, psychologists, etc., that that can support people with that. So some would say that they're possibly thinking about that, yeah. but I think it's more about what is the individual taking responsibility for that too, and how are they supporting themselves and not relying on the organisation to have those things or yeah. tapping into those things that the organisation does have because they are so rich yeah. and available as well yeah so yeah I don't think the word emotions come up (laughs) but it's weaved into uh the other corporate speak that we think is is um appropriate
0: yeah definitely (laughs) so I think it's a really really good point um you know how do you look out for yourself as well like how are we building those skills with, with employees in the workforce but anyway I digress question for you as we kind of pivot more towards our key topic today which is around purpose which I know you're super passionate about um but for EX and organisation leaders, and I'm hoping my dog's barking cannot be heard in the background here, but for EX and organisation leaders listening, how can you empower employees to find their passion both personally and professionally? And how does an organization's employee experience influence that or shape that pursuit of passion, I suppose?
1: I love this. I love it <laughs> because... Um, with my uh, my business, I really am looking at helping people make life purposeful. So how to feel the success when the measure of success is constantly changing. So being able to do that for individuals, I think, has been a real passion of mine, um, which then uh, creates my life to be purposeful. So I really think it's about employees um, – sorry – being employers, being able to actually tap into people's passions, first of all, because I feel like passions are something that people can sort of say, yeah, I'm passionate about this or I'm passionate about that and find that. And then being able to find success in that, be recognised for people following their passions or sharing their passions even, um, actually then makes it purposeful. So it's really about that bringing it back to, Um, fulfilling a longing inside yourself and and really finding
0: tapping into that
1: then actually is the context the purpose
0: I love that yeah and when we say because I guess it's hard to differentiate or sometimes we get the two confused is there a difference between having a passion and being passionate about something
1: yeah, I think there is. And being passionate about something means that you're actively involved in following that pursuit. Um, being passionate about something can just be um, a love of something, but without mm. the action involved. Mm, so for sure. um, I think that, um, and and that's where I I think that transition of passion to purpose is that action piece. So mm. being able to put your passion into action is actually yeah. that purpose piece. Yeah. Um, You asked how the EX structure can help that as well too. So I really think it's about tapping into um, those enablers, which are, like I touched on before, you know, recognising people in following that passion or, um, you know, bringing that passion into their role as well. Um, Helping them see that it's the in growing their career as well too. So EX moments of growing your career doesn't just need to be linear if you're, um, say, in an engineering role. You don't just have to become like the the best engineer of of that particular um, discipline you're in. You can actually help other disciplines as well in your role which means that you can actually tap into some of the great things that we're working on in our different markets so you can be an electrical engineer or a civil engineer but you can go into different markets so you can actually go into aviation or you can you can do work with built environment and transport you can do work within different um, markets or industries but still have the same discipline and I think that's a really big piece um, that we, we're still unlocking about those career stories and that career ladder is not just a hierarchical up it but mm-hmm. it's a linear it's sometimes cyclic as well too so you yeah. might actually go away and come back so being able to tap into different expressions of career I yeah. think is a really good way organizations can help people find that purpose.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's it's interesting because I think this is incredibly topical and I'm digressing here slightly, but you know, we've we've seen this buzz around kind of quiet quitting and all of those elements and you know younger generations coming into the workforce. And actually there is a lot of talk about those individuals wanting to find their passion and purpose. And actually, you know, I dare say that for a lot of organisations, they're constantly asking themselves, you know, how can we make it a good place to work beyond just the day to day? And I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm assuming your viewpoint as well is that incorporating that pursuit of passion and that kind of transparency around individual passions is a really effective talent strategy to retain people and attract people is that fair
1: absolutely um some big drivers and we're working on some evp work um, at the moment and you know making a difference is a really big moment that matters in relation to you know people and who they choose to work with and you know making a difference can look different to people because depending on their Career stage, their life stage, even the organisation stage as well too. Life stage, if it's a startup or if it's a, you know, an iconic brand, um, that can all look very different to to what that means for each of those individuals and also at those stages. But I think you know, there's a few things that are really important to those that are coming into the organisation now, and that's you know, a lot of CSR, corporate social responsibility. Um, Circular economy, you know, how are we really helping um, ourselves as well as the future generations and sustainability, you know, there's some really key ones that uh, I think organisations are all looking at themselves to see how they're positioned and how yeah. um, they are within in integrity with that but also um, individuals are looking for that as well too and and wanting to connect to that so it's not just the values of an organization it's really how they make a difference and how the individuals can make a difference by working within them as well.
0: Mm, definitely and putting you on the spot here but before we started recording you know you were talking about how your I guess your passion is being kind of merged with your role can you share a bit about that because I think it's quite It's different, and I think it's a really good example of that kind of passion into your work piece.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Well, um, I've I had a motto when I was in my teens as well too, about helping people help themselves, and I think that's really helped me keep grounded in in what I wanted to do when I grew up. And um, for me, I think I've evolved in the way of looking at my role because you know, I traditionally we think about employers and employees. And um, although I am employed by an organisation, I also have a business and a a side hustle like most do. And I think it's really about balancing that side hustle, but balancing in your mind and how you're perceiving it as well. So I know that I give um, a certain amount of hours to an organisation and I'm grateful for that and I love doing that because I keep connected and that's how I keep, um, you know, that team excitability, you know, doing things collaboratively. But I also have um, other uh, individuals that I work with and also, you know, some organisations I'm starting to work with too. So it's really about that thinking about that gig economy and us really owning it for ourselves and thinking, right, this is, I am my organisation and I am the entrepreneur for that and I'm going to choose to spend my time doing this because I believe in it with these people and I want to make a difference here and with that person because I really want to help them and support them to make their difference with that ripple effect that they're going to do so yeah that's how I'm thinking about me as my own organization and how I'm actually contributing to the world through different gigs that I have
0: I think it's really nice because a lot of what your personal passions are that you're doing with your side hustle, they add so much value to your, you know, your, your employed role, your, your current role. Um, so it's not like, you know, often I think when we, when we think about side hustles as well, we think I do nine to five as a developer. And then outside of that, I do some Amazon drop dropshipping. <laughs> we're kind of like, well, okay, well, how do we, how do we find the gray area here where the two blend? But I think, you know, what you're doing is it's kind of like an intersection of both like you're able to really combine your ability to work with people externally as part of your own company but then also your role it's incredibly relevant you're a people person you have to work you're you're literally focused on people experience so I think that's really nice and a benefit to your employer so if your employer's listening <laughs> you've got a catch <laughs> I think it's accessible
1: to everyone, though, and mm-hmm. I know that that's going to be a huge statement that some people are going to go, "Well, no," because my two worlds are very, very different. Mm-hmm. But like you said, this there's transferable skills that yeah. that come with everything, everything that you do. Whether you, um, you know, we, we acknowledge a mother, who yeah. knows how to do lots of tasks, manage people. You know, there's lots of different skills that we all do in our life, and I think it's about owning it. Owning all of yourself to be able to expand into um, something that isn't just um, your identity attached to one thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love that. So a question more so on the kind of organisation side. So what are some of the pitfalls that you see with employee experience um, and, and kind of navigating the EX landscape when it comes to trying to help employees find their sense of purpose? And I guess where I'm going with this question is like, are there inhibitors? Like, are there things that organisations should be considering when it comes to the design of their employee experience to help individuals like yourself or like me find their purpose and their passion?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, and of course, not one answer, but I think the most relevant is leadership. I mean, we all can't be. That saying, sorry, we want to, we can't be what we can't see. So you know, having having leaders that are um, like ourselves and also very diverse in the way that they are in unique in themselves. And I mean that in all diversity, not just um, gender or um, cultural. It's really diversity of thinking, uh, you know, diversity of um, all aspects of self. So I think strong leadership is a really important one. Um, And that can look different, again, depending on um, people's individual life stage or career stage. So they'll resonate to different people. So not just relying on one leader to also be that person for the whole organisation because we really need to, I think, um, raise different leaders um, or showcase different leaders to be able to, to have different people resonate with their stories, resonate with their um, leadership styles and also um, inspiration, find inspiration from them as well. Um, the other thing I think is really that human-centric design. So putting putting the employee or the individual in the centre of the model. So, And that will help make the complex simple because I feel like we design um, – Sometimes for systems around EX systems, especially because we think and we know we hope that they're going to you know solve a lot of problems, but the people still have to have the experience, um, you know, with the system. And that's also a backstage and front stage. And what I mean from that is the people that are actually setting it up and maintaining it, their experience is just as important as those in the front stage, which are the ones actually um, receiving the information or, or doing the, the, the task with it. So I feel like it's really creating that human-centric design. And to do that, organisations don't test and prototype enough. I think testing, prototyping, being agile in how they design not just the set and forget is something also that they could really we all could really take on even in our personal lives I think
0: (laughs) yeah definitely um and when when we say kind of like the testing and prototyping piece so I'm going to focus slightly narrowly on that kind of human-centered design piece how how do we think that that works in terms of I guess communicating with employees, having that dialogue, and creating—I I, suppose—a culture of openness, almost, to allow employees to feel comfortable. For example, to share their passion. For example, or for us to see what are the different elements of our diverse workforce. Like, what are you? How do you see that test and prototype working in in practice?
1: I think it's really about that um, creating that feedback loop. And and the real-time feedback loop and the the in-the-flow-of-work feedback loop. So it's not just real, but it's also like we would give um, employees feedback. We actually need to receive feedback real-time too. So not not the annualised surveys or, you know, the point in time, let's take a measurement here. I think we need to be keeping a pulse on um, how people are feeling. And also give them an opportunity to do that uh, anonymously and also uh, have the opportunity, though, to comment back to them so that we can keep that conversation going. Yeah. So, you know, having a tool that enables people to have a conversation but to have it in a safe place until they're ready to actually, you know, be, be able to be supported by that perhaps in, in something that's outside of a system or, you know, outside of... Um, In the human context as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think the other thing too is, um, and this is where strategy versus implementation versus BAU, I think, also comes into play because I I know that there's – you know, there's a big struggle with being able to set a strategy, deliver on the strategy and then create the ongoing process and yeah. then, you know, move on to the next thing. And that's where I think the EX model is, um, is great to have specialists to do that. But we also need everybody being able to contribute and also be a part of that experience, modelling and prototyping and and doing different things that need to happen real time. So there's a lot of things that I can design scalable that are scalable for a whole organization, but I really need people on the ground to support that and to be able to do what they need to for their own regions and locations and different things. So I think that's also another big thing is empowering people and giving permission for people to actually do that and feed that back to you, not to say that it will be scalable, just to see what's happening and see what's working in different areas and locations because you can see the trends from that as well
0: yeah absolutely Mm, exactly and I think you you mentioned a really powerful point which is you know this feedback loop you know it's got to be more than just the annual survey because I suppose you know if we are expecting and you know I'm kind of coming back to this kind of unearthing individual passions like if we're expecting people like yourself for example to come to work and be vulnerable to say like this is something I am super passionate about. This is kind of my, this is where I I feel most myself or, you know, this is where my purpose is. That requires a degree of openness and vulnerability. And I think in order for that to really, I guess, manifest across the entire organization, there has to be a culture of vulnerability and openness from the organization side when it comes to hearing and, you know, engaging in that two-way dialogue. So I think, I wonder if it's also kind of, you mentioned this before, but that psychological safety piece as well, that that's why communication is so important.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. There was a um, we we've, we've been partnering with a psychologist um yeah. to come in and do some work and some specialised work in looking at how we can thrive together in the new world of work Mm. and there's been some really great open discussions with lots of different people across different levels of the organization just talking about real issues so Mm. anxiety um anxiety at work you know different different things that um are often uh not necessarily talked about in large scale and this was a whole organization so it was really great to actually Mm. hear Lots of different people's stories, but um, from you know lots of different countries as well yeah. too, and lots of different leadership versus you know right down to to any individual in the organisation could contribute and could, could actually step up and and share their story. So I think it's uh, giving them a platform as well to hear others mm. um, is important, um, and then encourages that openness to share because it's that whole I'm not alone. And if you think if you're writing in your personal diary, you know, and I'll talk to individuals about that, you know, you're writing the diary and you're you're sharing your thoughts with yourself, but sharing your thoughts with another is about being witnessed. And sometimes that is the power that you need to actually take away the stigma or the pain that's actually Mm. attached to that sometimes too.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's really topical because I think mainly in Australia, it was Are You Okay Day yesterday. I think... I at the time saying, yeah. of, of, of kind of recording and I saw a really interesting post because you know LinkedIn can be a bit of a cesspit of dividing opinions to be honest with you but I saw someone post saying you know regardless of your views around organizations intent behind kind of supporting are you okay um, sessions or you know putting on events for employees never underestimate the power of someone being able to share their own story and so even if you know, for a large organisation, they host an You U OK? event and it allows one person to share their story and be heard. And for somebody else to, you know, take inspiration from that, it's a worthwhile investment.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yes, I totally agree. And sometimes um, it's also about that continued conversation or that um, post day reflection to be able to support people, I think, um, If they did get triggered and they didn't know they were at the time and then in reflection, they're feeling something from that too. So um, I think that it is an ongoing conversation, but it's also great to have a touch point to actually highlight it to be able to help people to also reflect and acknowledge that maybe something is going on for them Mm. and then they can do something about it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's a, it's a great day. I saw lots of yellow on my feed, so all power to organizations doing stuff around that. So, so moving on to my last question, slightly different topic here. But if you were not doing, and I think the answer is going to be really interesting, especially considering you combine your you know personal and professional passion. But if you weren't in this space, what would you be doing?
1: I always say to my husband, I could be anything I want to be. I love that. <laughs> um, I love and he that. says you couldn't be like you couldn't be an astronaut or a doctor and I'm like I could be if I really course, wanted to yeah. be. And I really do honestly feel that and I know that people will probably be saying oh my god what are you talking about but if I had the passion and wanted to have that purpose then I know that I would I would do that. And yeah. I think that you're right. I am doing what I really want to do and love to do. But I can say that I'm fully owning it now. I was thinking that it was right and I was doing what I wanted to do. But bringing, um, and I I used to call it my outside world and my inside world um, together, um, has really helped me understand that I'm actually that whole person and I can be all of that in everything that I do in my life. Yeah. so I don't want to choose one thing <laughs> I actually want to do everything and be able to change my mind as well too because I once that. I know how to flow through change then I can do that as well too
0: yeah definitely I think that's so inspiring for a lot of people as well like I know um, you know especially with the pandemic I think as a catalyst a lot of people are like what what is my purpose like really questioning what is it I'm passionate about you know I'm surrounded by people where you know if we go for dinner it's pretty much the number one topic of conversation is am I fulfilled am I am I where I'm supposed to be um I also wonder if it's kind of an age thing as well I wonder if all of my friends were all just going through the same kind of crisis moment here um but I think it's really it's honestly really refreshing to hear you say that and I love that level of confidence but you're right where your passion is you're unstoppable you can you really can do anything like if you put your mind to it and it's something you're super passionate about why couldn't you be an astronaut
1: and I'll pose a question to the audience as well too what what do you actually know in your heart that you're going to be successful in so you go I'm going to succeed in that. I know I'm going to succeed in that. That will be successful. Mm. And then what's the things that are stopping you? Because that's what I unlocked. I mm. unlocked. And it was not that I was just having a fear of success. It was what do I do when I get there? Because I know I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And that's what was stopping me. All that like, well, if I get there, then I, what do I do then? Yeah, it's like will I do anything I want to do. Then
0: yeah, of course, because
1: I'll keep it going. I so I pose that question,
0: and I hope that energy comes through and passes to everybody as well. So you know, pursuit of your passions—you can do this absolutely. Um, I another question to put you on the spot just to close because I I really want to hear from you on this one. But what advice would you give to people listening? who are maybe thinking or exploring, like, what am I passionate about? Like, what is that purpose that I'm looking for? Like, what, where should they get started? Like, what, what do you think? I think for me, um, what I did,
1: and I'll speak about what I did and then post some, I guess, some other challenges and questions to the audience. What I did was I did a lot of different things. So I um, am a doula. I've shared that. <laughs> (laughs) So I help people um, birth babies. Um, I am a body psychotherapist as well. So um, the psychotherapy but the energy healing at the same time. I studied to be a priestess um, as well. So I delved into lots of different things that I had an interest in that then sparked a passion in. So I say follow an interest, like pull a thread, and then, you know, you've got that to actually then tie to another piece. Yeah. And then once you actually start, you know, following some threads of interest, which, again, go outside your comfort zone. If that's what you're interested in, then do it. Even if it's not related to your work currently, it'll be related in some way about your personal growth and your personal experience that you can bring in and weave in. Yeah. So pull a thread interest or an interest thread, and then that will start to actually weave together a passion blanket let's call it that or something a purposeful blanket
0: I love that and (laughs) I think
1: or a beanie
0: (laughs) I've never heard it phrased that way kind of pulling on a thread because I think so often we overthink like I need to do I don't know a SWOT analysis or a pestle of my of my Mm -hmm. you know next five years but you're right you know it could be you start pulling on this one interest but actually it unearths a completely different you know opportunity or pathway that you find you're actually better suited for or you're more passionate about. So I think I love that. It's kind of inquisitive. And it's get out of your head. Yeah.
1: And into your heart, which is where your purpose and passion comes from. Yeah. Your heart and your your stomach, like that sort of area.
0: For sure. (laughs) And I guess for organizations as well, kind of bringing it back before we wrap up, it's building an EX environment that allows people to pursue that and search for their threads and find their passions and bring those into the workplace where they can. Um, That's, that's the true value, right. From an organization's perspective.
1: I was going to say, and see the value in it. Yeah. And see the value in that because there's a lot of um, history that everybody has. So let's not just look at the person and the role that they're doing right now. Let's look at the whole person and their personal journey and career journey that's yeah. brought them to this point because they've chosen to be with you yeah. in that organisation. Yeah,
0: and definitely. that's special. They choose you.
1: It's yeah, like absolutely. a relationship. <laughs>
0: For so sure. let's be
1: in relationship with them.
0: <laughs> exactly. No, I love that. Well, Bex, thank you so much. Um, it's a pleasure having you on the podcast. And hopefully we can get you back again in the foreseeable future. Um, I'm selfishly going to wrap up this podcast now so that I can ask you doula related questions. <laughs> because of course, that's priority number one for me. Um, but Bex, if people want to get a hold of you, I'm assuming LinkedIn is a good is a good platform
1: absolutely yep oh, or i do have a personal website as well too we'll link that. so
0: yeah brilliant either way Stabulous. it's fabulous we will leave all those links so if you want to connect with bex um of course on a personal level um via linkedin or you know interested in the work that she's doing as well feel free to reach out to her but bex thanks so much and thank we'll see you. you on the podcast again soon
1: lovely having me here thank you very much for having me i mean <laughs> take Cheers.
0: care Bye. bye